IBM, also known as Big Blue, is the original big technology company. And because of them, we have computers out in the world. They're now working on big problems like artificial intelligence and expanding the cloud infrastructure. Hi, I'm Alex, your stock storyteller. Welcome to Stock Stories. This is the show where we're decoding the business behind the stock and studying every company in the S&P 500. Today, let's talk about IBM, International Business Machines. We're going to be looking at the history of the company, their business model today, and some of the financials and whether I think the stock is a buy or a sell. So stick with me to the end if you want to hear that. All right, let's get into it. Now, over 100 years ago, in the year 1911, there was a man named Charles Flint, and he started this company called Computing, Tabulating, and Recording Company, or CTR. They were making these very early electromechanical devices for employee timekeeping systems. They were making meat slicers. They were creating all different types of gadgets back in this day. Another man named Thomas Watson approached Flint for a job offer. Now, he had just left a company called National Cast Register, and he ended up getting this job with CTR. Now, Watson narrowly avoided jail time because of anti-competitive sales tactics back when he was at National Cast Register, but that's a story for another day. Now, Watson rose up to the rank of CEO, and he ended up renaming the company to something a little bit cleaner than computing, tabulating, and recording. He renamed it to International Business Machines, or IBM. Watson was famous for coming up with this one-word slogan, think. He's famous for saying that thought is the father of every advance since time began. He really believed in this idea that you really have to think through your problems if you want to come up with solutions. Now, under his leadership, the company ended up selling off many of their divisions, and they focused specifically on the tabulating portion of their business. Now, you may be asking, what is tabulating? Tabulating refers to electromechanical machines that would punch physical cards in order to store information. An example of this is in the 1930s, IBM won a contract with the Social Security Administration to come up with a tabulating system for employee timekeeping records for over 26 million people. So remember, they didn't have computers back then. So this was the most cutting edge thing around. Throughout the 1940s and 50s, IBM kept experimenting with these punch card systems and eventually developed some of the earliest forms of calculators. Now by 1952, Thomas Watson Jr. ended up taking over for his dad and running the company. And what he saw was that the future was going to be in computers. So this calculating and tabulating functionality that the company was known for evolved into computer systems, which first began with simple machines, which had these big vacuum tubes to compute information, but then gradually evolved into machines that use integrated circuits. Now, if you're getting value out of this episode, I would really appreciate it if you took one second to just tap that like button. Thank you so much. Now, in the early days of computers, Businesses were really skeptical about buying them because a lot of these computers were hardwired a certain way. So if you bought a system that was too small for your application, then you would outgrow it really fast. But if you bought this system with a huge capacity, then it was going to be really, really expensive up front and you might not need it. So it presented this kind of problem for a lot of customers during this time. 
So IBM came up with a solution. They decided to develop a very flexible computing system that would grow with their customers' needs over time. And so in 1964, they developed what they called System 360. And it was a huge project. It cost over $5 billion to develop, but it was a big leap forward in computing and allowed enterprise customers to actually buy a computing system that fit with the needs of their business. Fast forward to the 1980s, and in 1981, the PC was introduced. This is the personal computer. It was incredible because now computers could not just be in a big factory or in an office, but they could actually be in someone's home. Now, IBM got their chips for their computers from a company called Intel. Go ahead and check out the episode up here if you haven't checked out that episode yet. And they got the operating system for this computer from a teeny tiny 32-person company called Microsoft. Now, as big of a deal as this was, the PC market did explode, but by the 1990s, IBM was having real trouble. And in 1993, they actually had $8 billion in losses. Why? Why did this happen? Well, first thing, there was more competition. Decades had passed, computer technology had evolved, and there were just a lot more companies building the types of systems that IBM originated. Second thing is that IBM's traditional strength was building these strong relationships with really large companies and providing them with lots of systems. Whereas now, a lot of the decisions about what to buy were now at more of an individual or lower level within different companies. So you had these IT departments springing up and people in home offices deciding, you know what, really, I want to buy these components and these other types of things from smaller manufacturers. I don't necessarily need this huge IBM system. But the company got a new CEO, they cut costs, and they kept innovating. In 1997, they created a computer called Deep Blue, which was able to successfully take on world chess champion Garry Kasparov and beat him in several chess matches. Now, this was a big deal, not just because it showed that computers are good at chess, but it was a window into the opportunity of the future showing that computers could solve really difficult problems and process lots of calculations. And so this was a window into technology really taking off. What does IBM do today? Well, they sell software, they sell artificial intelligence, and they sell cloud services to customers, mainly to businesses. They sell a product called Cloud Packs, which are pre-packaged pieces of software that come with artificial intelligence and security features built into it. They're also really big in infrastructure. 90% of the largest 50 banks use IBM's mainframes to store their financial data. Now, with all this technological expertise and these decades, over a century of experience, you are in a position to give advice to other people about that technology. So that's exactly what IBM does too. They have this consulting division where they have over 150,000 consultants employed with them to give specific advice to other businesses. Now, where is IBM going? Well, they have this big research division and they're really focused on a couple of things. Artificial intelligence, so making computers able to make their own decisions based on a series of inputs, and then quantum computing. Quantum computing is essentially computing now, but like on steroids, essentially performing calculations orders of magnitude faster than they're performed right now. And this will enable the world to do so many more things. Now, as an investor, we have to ask ourselves the question, do they have a competitive advantage? And I think that IBM clearly has dominated this space for many years, but the tricky position that they're in now is that they're more so defending their market share as opposed to taking it. 
they're the incumbents. So all these other companies are fine for their market share and they're kind of on the defensive. And that makes me a little bit worried from the perspective of investing today. Now with that, let's go look at the company's financials. I want to take a look really quickly at IBM's latest annual report, and you can find this at ibm.com investor. So here is the very first page of IBM's report. All right, we're just going to go down and look at this first paragraph. So dear IBM investor, today's IBM has defined a clear strategy to lead in the era of hybrid cloud and AI. In 2021, we took a series of dramatic steps to execute against that strategy, strengthening our portfolio, expanding our partner ecosystem, and returning your company to growth. Now, hold up. He just said returning your company to growth. Whenever I see something like that in annual report, that to me, that communicates, hey, we're not growing. We're trying to grow again. And that's exactly what's happening here if we peel back the layers of IBM's financials. Now, IBM is making tens of billions of dollars in revenue. Now, I don't want to sneeze at that at all. It's very impressive. Not many companies ever make it to that size. And they're a profitable company too. The issue here is with growth. Revenue has just been pretty stagnant over the past couple of years. Meanwhile, other companies like NVIDIA and AMD and even Intel are finding a way to grow their revenue. IBM has not really been able to do that. Now, there's a consolation prize for shareholders here. If you were to invest in IBM, you would be investing in a company that is making some good financial moves. In 2021, they paid off $10 billion of debt, which is great. They also paid out a lot of money in dividends. And this is one reason I think it could be a good idea to purchase the stock. If you are into dividends, if you're an income-oriented investor, right now IBM's yield is hovering somewhere in the 5% range. So that could be a great amount of income compared to money just sitting in the bank. Now, if you want to learn about other companies in this space, just click right here and you'll see some videos that I did for other companies that are competing in a similar segment as IBM. But with that being said, IBM... I struggle to see the path to growth here, although I do see a lot going on with quantum computing and artificial intelligence. Very few companies can match IBM's prowess in those areas. Just because you're innovating doesn't mean you're innovating profitably. So that's something that I would watch here with IBM. But that being said, I think it could be a great dividend play, but I'm not interested from a growth perspective. I'll see you on the next one. Thank you so much.